You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Chicago Bears are competing with three other teams for general manager candidates and seven other teams for head coaches. But the Chicago Bears do also belong at or at least near the top of the list for candidates picking their desired job. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm an analyst for Pro Football Focus, and I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Bears. You can like Locked On Bears on Facebook. Join the Locked On Bears Facebook group for even more Bears talk. And make sure you hit that subscribe button on the Locked On Bears YouTube channel to keep up with all of our video podcasts as well. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today and every day. On the show today, we put the Chicago Bears openings, GM and head coach, side by side with the other teams looking to hire the same candidates for the same positions. We'll kind of go through what each of the other competitors has to offer on their roster, their cap space, their free agents, their draft picks, and so much more, and try and sort of put that side by side and stack it up with the Bears and, and go through what a candidate might be considering if, you know, multiple teams are interested in him, which team should be the favorites, which teams have the best openings, which teams should be the most enticing for any potential candidate. And more so, we're not necessarily going to rank every team in a certain order, but we're just going to try and figure out where exactly the Bears fall in that category. We'll start with the general manager spot because there's only four, or excuse me, three other teams competing for a general manager. Bears include one of the four teams with a general manager opening. And all this has sort of been updated a little bit with the Raiders just now firing Mike Mack, or I guess not retaining Mike Mack. And the Texans were also late to the head coaching game with firing David Culley a bit after most other teams had already made their head coaching decisions. And I think as we start to go through this, as you said at the top, I think the Bears for me are going to end up at or near the top of these rankings, but there's going to be some different things to consider and, and different candidates may come in with different perspectives and different thoughts on how you might weigh the strengths and weaknesses of the openings. But I want to start by kind of going through some of those strengths and weaknesses in the first place so we can kind of get a sense of of where these teams are. So when you think about the general manager spots, New York Giants, right? Dave Gettleman, quote unquote, retires. Maybe a, a nice friendly way to, you know, have him ride off into the sunset as opposed to firing him the way the team may have opted for had he not ultimately retired. Giants are an interesting case because it was a mess with Joe Judge and Daniel Jones is a massive question mark at quarterback. He's looked like a starting caliber quarterback, but has not really consistently looked like an above average starting caliber quarterback. And so as he approaches the question about his fifth year option and then, you know, a potential major contract extension after that, has he shown you so much that you don't look at other quarterback options? I mean, I, I maybe a general manager comes in and loves Daniel Jones, but I, I, I kind of doubt it, especially when I think one of the real strengths of the Giants as a as a head coaching opportunity, excuse me, a general manager head coaching opportunity, and, and really, it's, it's kind of both, right? But especially as a GM, their draft picks, they have the Bears first round pick. That gives them two top 10 picks in this draft, number five and number seven. It's a great opportunity to 
grab another quarterback to compete with Daniel Jones, or if you really believe in Daniel Jones, I guess, grab two quality young players to add to a, a core there that's not not you know the best young core in the NFL, but they do have some young players on both sides of the ball to work with. You know, they just used a first-round pick uh, wide receiver on Kadarius Toney, young receivers, and you know Darius Slay. Even Kenny Galladay is still on you know on the positive side of thirty along the offensive line. Recent first-round picks: Andrew Thomas at offensive tackle, Will Hernandez at guard. You got a young tight end in Evan Ingram, Saquon Barkley, of course, in the backfield. Although injuries have been a problem there. Defensively, you know, you have Aziz Ojolari at the edge, Dexter Lawrence in the defensive line. Xavier McKinney at safety. I mean, you, you do have some pieces along the way to where you could add a couple of top 10 picks, and all of a sudden there's something to work with there, something a general manager could be really excited about, the possibilities. There's also some free agents that Gettleman has signed that are taking up a pretty decent chunk of change that you're going to have to work around there in terms of salary cap flexibility. They're not going to be in, you know, salary cap hell, as they call it in, in the NFL right now, but there's, there's, there's some pros and cons to that position, certainly. Vikings are all about Kirk Cousins, the other one of the other GM openings here, right? You, you given that Kirk Cousins' salary cap number is about to be forty-five million, you either have to trade him to another team or give him a contract extension, and you're probably going to get a first-round pick for him. How high? To be determined. But you pair that with the twelfth pick that the Vikings have. That's some ammunition to move up if you're going to trade up for a quarterback, or I guess if you really like Kellen Mond. But you know they've got an aging defense too that's going to need some retooling. Love the wide receivers that they have, Dalvin Cook in the backfield, some younger offensive linemen, but I don't know that they're bringing a, a ton else. Not, not that there's zero else, but not a ton else that you really get like super fired up about if, if I'm a potential general manager looking at that. But Kirk Cousins could be enough to maybe swing me one way or another if I really had strong feelings about Kirk Cousins. And I think it's a similar conversation with Derek Carr and the Las Vegas Raiders, right? You got Carr, you got Darren Waller at tight end, you got Josh Jacobs at running back. It's a, not a bad trio to go into there. Plus, you know, on the defense, they've got some pass rushers. Crosby and Ngakwe and Nassib have both have all been pretty solid rotational there. You know, uh, secondary in the back end of that defense definitely needs some work. Offensive line, still a work in progress. Wide receivers, uh, still a, a lot of work needed there. But and again, again, picking in the 20s, they were, a, they were a playoff team. So if you want to step in as GM and, and compete, I guess that's that's part of the conversation there too. There's, there's plenty to like there. And out of the three, I mean, Carr is currently, I think, out of the four, when you include the Bears, I think Carr is currently the best quarterback of between Cousins, Carr, Daniel Jones, and Josh, J Justin Fields. Right now, Derek Carr is the best quarterback there, so that's something for a general manager to consider and say, you know what, it's it's a sure thing. We know what Derek Carr is and isn't. We, we kind of know what Kirk Cousins is and isn't, but Carr has, I would argue, fewer limitations and a little bit more upside. It's just generally speaking a better quarterback overall. He's not a top five quarterback. He's not an elite game-changing quarterback, but you can win a lot of games. You can make the playoffs. Heck, the Raiders fired John Gruden in a huge mess with an interim head coach and still made the playoffs with Derek Carr. Obviously, it was not a good playoff game, but still, it's it's something that they were able to persevere and make the playoffs with some of the talent that they do have. It's, just, it's, it's a very different style of environment than what the Bears have, and we'll kind of go through... Some of the other head coaching candidates here before we really su summarize everything and put the Bears side by side here with, with different teams with different openings here that don't just have the GM openings but just have the head coaches next on Locked On Bears. If you want to bet on which head coaches might be hired where, our friends at betonline.ag are going to be the place to go. The number one place we recommend for all of your sports betting needs, not just prop bets on head coaches like 
Brian Flores, Doug Peterson among the favorites for the Chicago Bears prop bet on who will be the next Bears head coach. But then, of course, you can bet on all your favorite sports, basketball, hockey, soccer, tennis, baseball, when that season comes back around, boxing, UFC, and so much more, plus all your favorite Vegas casino games online as well. So don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers they have available for 2022. Sign up today for a free account. Enter in our promo code Locked On, and you're going to receive a free 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. They give you literally free money to play with at Bet Online. It's the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. As they say, Bet Online is where the game starts. When you look across the head coaching openings, I think a lot of the arguments for GM are going to be similar for head coach for the three teams we mentioned already, the Giants, the Vikings, and the Raiders. But in terms of the head coaching spots, I, I think right away among the other teams, the Miami Dolphins stand out as you know the one closest to the playoffs this year, right? I mean, they were, they were pretty darn close. It was a surprise firing there of Brian Flores and maybe some thoughts that Flores and management weren't getting along, maybe some thoughts that Flores and Tuatunga Vailua weren't getting along, but it wasn't purely like Brian Flores bad coach as it was Brian Flores it's complicated, right? So Tua remains a, a, a big question mark in this discussion in some of the same ways that we talk about Daniel Jones, right? We've seen Tua Tungavailoa can be a winning quarterback in the NFL. Do we know yet exactly how much of a winning quarterback, right? I mean, he's, he's a, he seems, he looks like a starter for sure. And we're not quite, it's not Mitch Trubisky where it's like, ah, oh man, is he a, is he a starter? Is he not, uh, you know, but it's more so like where in that range, you know, is Tua more Andy Dalton or can he be something still a little bit better? You know, the Dolphins had offensive coordinator turnover throughout their tenure there. Has he, has he been put in the best position to be successful? Maybe not completely, but so again, if you're a head coach trying to weigh this stuff, you know, Tua Tungavailoa can, can be a positive, there can be a negative. I mean, they do have also some weapons there. I mean, of course, drafted Jalen Waddle in the first round, Devontae Parker, you know, Albert Wilson in the slot there. Used some recent draft picks on the offensive line, trying to get some things together. You got Mike Giusecki at, at tight end. So, like, you know, there's there's some pieces there. Defensively, a few guys, you know, they, they, they kind of did some talent shedding and some moving around, some free agents, some younger guys have stepped up. It's it's There's pieces there. It's not a full-fledged you know, deep, strong defensive core. But, you know, they're, they're a few pieces away from certainly being a playoff team. And if not, you know, maybe a division contender in there. Again, kind of depending on, on what's going to happen with, with Tua Tungavailoa. He's one of the big quarterback question marks in this. I guess, you know, to some extent, the Broncos have the even bigger quarterback question mark because I mean, they kind of have, they have two quarterbacks, but they don't really have any quarterbacks for the future, right? We kind of saw that Bridgewater's not really making a big difference there and Locke doesn't really look like the quarterback of the future there either. So that's a bit of a mess to try and clean up, you know, financially with what's going to happen with, with Bridgewater and all that and how they're going to try and get rid of both of those guys and try and get something for them or, or how they might handle that is going to be a little bit messy. I mean, unless a GM or excuse me, a head coaching candidate came in and really liked Drew Locke or really liked Teddy Bridgewater. But to me, that one feels a bit on the, the messier side from a quarterback standpoint. You know, another team with, you know, Recent draft picks at wide receiver, tight end, a couple of spots in the offensive line, right? I mean, they're, they're getting some of that younger offensive core together, but quarterback is definitely a big potential hurdle for them. They do have a top 10 pick 
this year because of just how they struggled. They do have an extra second-round pick having traded Von Miller, but again, trading Von Miller is sort of evidence of that defense in, in needing need of some some retooling, right? Again, they used a first-round pick just last year on Patrick Sertain. They have uh, Justin Simmons, a, a strong, a pretty good safety back there. So, right, a couple of pieces there. Bradley Chubb, of course, good, good outside linebacker, but the rest of the defense still, I don't know, still feels like it needs uh, some tinkering, Quite around, quite around the board, and just in term, more so in terms of talent. You know, I mean, they had a, a quality defensive coach in Vic Fangio. We we know that and he was able to squeeze quite a bit out of them, but not a lot of like solid household names. And so it's a little bit of a different kind of mess there. But you kind of have to start with quarterback first and foremost, and then before you can get to the defense. Certainly, uh, some mess in Jacksonville. Another head coaching opening, but Trevor Lawrence. There's a young quarterback already in the building that I'm sure many head coaches really thought highly of coming out of the draft, and jury is far, far from out on him, much like Justin Fields. Plus, you add in another number one pick. I mean, that's potentially a foundational piece on each side of the ball if they go pass rusher number one or whatever they end up doing, right? Like, that's it's not a bad starting point for a head coach. Certainly a, a longer play if you're taking over in Jacksonville, but Lawrence, a number one overall pick, they, you know, they got Travis Etienne at running back. You know, however you might feel about him, still a young, high draft pick at that position. They've got some some young receivers to like there. Some couple of offensive linemen, although that part's still, uh, uh, you know, a little bit messy there. And then, you know, the, the defense has got pieces, but uh, there's still going to be a, a lot of work needed there. The the other thing there is that is the reputation of their general manager Trent Balky. I mean, Jaguars fans. Put on clown masks and costumes, trying to get the GM fired. Still want the GM fired. Don't really trust the GM to pick the head coach. And Balky was one of the ones that ran into trouble in San Francisco with, with Jim Harbaugh and was eventually fired from there too. So it's like maybe that could be a deterrent to a potential head coaching candidate. Although you know some head coaches are in that old boys network, the old boys club, maybe with Balky, and that won't be as big of an off put for them. But you know, there's there's some mess there, and beyond you know. Trevor Lawrence and, and early draft picks and some guys they have, it's it, it's a little bit messier even than I think what the Broncos have to clean up and maybe even messier than the Jaguars within their own division, the Houston Texans. Well, head coach opening after firing Brian Culley. Not very fair to Brian Culley, but not a, not a situation that uh, too many candidates are going to be banging down the door to get in there and coach Jacksonville. I mean, talent is limited, Quarterback situation is disastrous. I mean, I, mean, I like Tyrod Taylor quite a bit, and Miles and, and Davis Mills showed some flashes, right? But we're not going to kid ourselves as though they are solutions or long-term options there. I mean, they were just fillers who drew the short straw here with the Deshaun Watson situation. And I guess you know, if you're the Texans and you're confident that you're going to get multiple first-round picks for Deshaun Watson, all of a sudden that could become a more enticing option. Or if you're confident that for whatever reason, the NFL isn't going to discipline Deshaun Watson and that you're willing to put your your character aside and your morals and your ethics and just roll with Deshaun Watson as though nothing happened. I guess that's another way it could be an enticing opening for a, a head coaching candidate. It's, it's kind of dirty, I guess, literally with, when it comes to the Watson allegations, but it's kind of, I mean, the NFL is a business and I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to defend this at all, but just I could see... Certain candidates maybe uh, maybe being willing to put up with with that kind of stuff. I mean, they do have David Johnson. I guess it's, it's hard. I'm like trying to find positives here. Justin Reed at, at safety. Uh, maybe a, a couple of guys on defense. And Desmond King, I was a big fan of coming out of Iowa, and 
when he's been healthy, he's been great at cornerbacks. I mean, there's there's some stuff there. Cam McGregor Hill has been a kind of a surprise at linebacker, I suppose. But boy, you know, I'm I'm really trying to be kind to the rest of the Texans roster where I can. And given that, I mean, I know their their general manager slash weird front office title stuff with the former Patriots executive, they had some mess to clean up from Bill O'Brien, right? So I'm I'm trying to be <laughs> trying to be nice with trying to be fair and balanced with all with all these these team and their opportunities, but clearly Texans are a pretty darn big mess. Jaguars are different kind of mess. Broncos are more of a quarterback mess than everything else. And the dolphins, you don't really know, do you have a quarterback or not? So right. There's, there's some differences there that really separate them. I think from the teams that have both the GM and head coaching openings, but the bears end up fitting somewhere in that. And, and definitely feels like somewhere near the top, if, if not the top, head coach, and general manager opening. But we'll kind of we'll stack the Bears up more specifically, go through their resume and how a GM might, candidate might look at them compared to how a head coach candidate might look at them next on Locked On Bears. People think unusual circumstances means complicated taxes. But for TurboTax Live experts, that's what makes things interesting. Maybe you inherit a condo and are renting it out, or maybe you're getting paid in cryptocurrency and aren't sure how that's taxed. For TurboTax Live experts, an interesting life can mean an even greater tax refund. Luckily, TurboTax Live can match you with the right expert who has experience in your unique situation and can answer all your tax questions right from your phone or computer. They can even take care of the whole filing process for you if you want. So whether you launched your own startup in 2021 or you're working multiple jobs and juggling multiple incomes, certainly I fall into that category, an experienced TurboTax Live expert can help you during the entire tax filing process or they can do your taxes from start to finish too to get you the tax deductions you deserve. I know there's some new ones that popped up here in the last year that Lord knows I'm not up on all the different new tax deductions. So head on over to TurboTax.com to learn more. You do your thing, they've got your taxes. Intuit TurboTax Live. The Chicago Bears certainly are not a team that's clearly far and away better than every other option, right? The Bears have very real flaws in this roster, in this situation, if you're a GM or a head coach candidate. And I'm trying really hard to put any potential bias I might have because, yes, I know more about this Bears roster top to bottom than I know about any of the other seven teams hiring a head coach or general manager. I I think I'm pretty good at being critical of the Bears when I need to and giving the Bears credit when I need to. And and I'm hesitant here to not give the Bears too much credit for the things they have. But, right, you look at this Bears roster. If I'm if I'm coming in as an outside candidate as a GM or head coach, I see, of course, Justin Fields. You know, top 11 pick at quarterback. For some, uh, for some, one of the top two or three quarterbacks in that draft class, even though he was ended up being the fourth quarterback taken there with the Chicago Bears. But, you know... Some GMs might view him differently than we might in Chicago, but at least we've seen a season of him. Plus, you have David Montgomery in the backfield, Darnell Mooney at wide receiver. Not a terrible triplet. Certainly, I think you can look around and see, well, you know, Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen in Minnesota, a better running back wide receiver, wide receiver group, absolutely. But, you know, Bears have maybe a couple of decent young offensive linemen. I mean, James Daniels is a free agent. Whitehair's been a little bit up and down, but he's kind of locked in at this point. Borum looked pretty good as a rookie fifth-round pick, but to be determined, and certainly Tevin Jenkins still a, a wide-open wild card. So 
obviously quarterback is kind of the big appeal on offense, plus a couple of things here and there. I think Cole Komet's not a lost cause, but just jury is definitely still out there. Defensively, Jalen Johnson, solid. Roquan Smith, very, very good. A couple of other younger players to like mixed in there, not bona fides, but, you know, like the likes of Travis Gibson, maybe Thomas Graham. You know, so there's some some younger pieces there that are at least intriguing, but they're not going to be on, on the resume necessarily. But then Khalil Mack and, and Robert Quinn, of course, more on the veteran side. You know, they're not long-term pieces, but they are short-term pieces that are very, very good. You know, that's that's kind of one way to look at it. Eddie Jackson maybe in there somewhere? I, I, I don't know. It kind of depends on who the new coach is and what they can get from him schematically. And then from a general manager standpoint, no first-round pick this year, you know, salary cap space. They've got, like, they're upcoming about $40 million, but they have a 1,000 free agents or at least a 1,000 position openings they're going to have to re-sign. So $40 million seems like a lot of cap space, and it's more than other teams have for sure. It's, 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 it's nothing to balk at, but they also have a lot to do, and it's not like they can use that money to completely rebuild the entire Bears team. So a lot of free agents gives a new GM and head coach some flexibility to get more of their guys in there, but as you start to fill out the space, it becomes more like $20 million when you account for getting your roster up to the number of minimum players. It's complicated. We'll get into salary cap stuff a little bit more deeper as we get through the offseason, but just, just more so that it's not as bountiful as it looks, but it doesn't mean it's a necessarily a terrible salary cap situation to, to get into this offseason. So from the general manager spot in particular, right, so much of it's like it's it's on fields versus some of the other quarterbacks because out of out of all the groups, you know, fields is kind of the the best known young quarterback option. I mean, maybe Lawrence, maybe you'll maybe these guys will like Lawrence better than others, but like I'm I'm kind of by default gonna put the Bears above the Jaguars and Jaguars don't have the GM opening, just the head coach opening. We'll get into that a little bit more, but like I, I can just I'll, I'll, right away, I'm gonna put the Bears above the Texans and the Jaguars and Honestly, probably the Broncos for for the head coaching openings, and we can we'll get into more of the the numbers, of the rest of them. But like those are kind of easy. So like I'll take Fields, and I don't need to make the Fields versus Lawrence argument because the Bears over Jaguars argument as a whole is already pretty well solidified, if you ask me. But one thing that's interesting about the Fields thing is that if you're a new general manager who comes to Chicago, your job security is not necessarily tied to whether or not Justin Fields pans out. Right? If you're the new GM. You're not the one that drafted Fields. So if Fields is great, you're still going to get the credit. But if Fields busts out for some reason, oh, well, well I didn't draft him. No, no, he was drafted by the last guy, so I'm going to get my quarterback next, right? So there's there's something appealing about that where it's almost a – it's not a win-win if Fields busts, right? You don't win if Fields busts, but maybe a no-lose? You still kind of lose if Fields busts. But you know what I mean? But you know, see what I'm saying where you're, like, you're protected either way. That's probably the best way to put it, like – if Fields works out well, you look like the genius because you took over the general manager and you built around him and he plays well. If Fields doesn't work well, well, that wasn't your draft pick. You don't deserve the blame for, for getting Justin Fields. So that's that's subtly a, a very major appeal there. But, you know, you compare him to the other GM candidates, right? Giants could draft a quarterback that maybe they might like better than Fields. That's fair. The Vikings or Raiders could trade Cousins or Carr to get an extra first-round picks, draft a quarterback. But again, those are all going to be a bit of a crapshoot. Fields, we at least... You see what you know, right? I mean, we've, we've seen Justin Fields on the field in the NFL. We have some real tape. It's sort of the devil you know versus the devil you don't. Some GM candidates might say, you know what? I would rather take my chances on insert quarterback prospect here because you like that idea of the flexibility to pick your guy and to put all your eggs in this evaluation that you really feel like you can nail as opposed to Fields being 
you know, already solidified and you know a little bit more of what you're going to get there in terms of some of the positives and the negatives. I think in terms of the GM spots, right, I, I, I do think the, the flexibility that the Giants could potentially have there to be able to draft another quarterback with two top 10 picks and have some younger players there is very, in, in very enticing if I'm a GM candidate. But do I value having those draft picks versus having the quarterback in Justin Fields? I, I find myself leaning Justin Fields based on how highly I liked him in the pre-draft process. And then, you know, I, I think it, it, it becomes trickier when you bring the head coach thing into this conversation because it's like I go down sort of this this list of, of criteria here for the bear for the comparing the Bears to some of these other openings. It's like, okay, if you believe in Tua Tonga Vailoa, then the Dolphins are like right there on the borderline of the playoffs, right? So like I could see where that would be that I could view that as that the bigger, better opening if I really did believe in Tua as a coach or a G or I guess it would be a coach than hiring a GM. So that's, you know, there's an argument there. Or, like, if I really believe in Derek Carr, you know, there's parts of the Raiders' offensive defense. They were just a playoff team. There's a bit of work that needs to be done there. But, like, I could see a GM saying, I value the Raiders' job over the Bears purely based on Carr over Fields, or I guess Tua over Fields, if that's really where your evaluation is. My personal evaluation is certainly Fields over Tua. And bigger picture, I, I like... I like the position the Bears are in where Carr is a much larger salary and harder to build around and needs a little bit more help. And I, I'm just not confident in the ability to make that quick enough turnaround to build around Carr in the window that you have to still win with Derek Carr. Not that he's old, but he's over 30, right? So you're not, it's not a 10-year play with Carr. It's much more of a three to five-year play, whereas Fields is more of a 10 to 15-year play if, you know, if he does pan out the way. So then it's like, all right, if you really believe in Trevor Lawrence then, you know, could Trevor Lawrence in a number one pick be enough of a game changer for the Jaguars to, and to say that say the Jaguars' job is better than the Bears? Ah, that's that's still a stretch for me. Honestly, it's still still a stretch for me, but it, it can be a potential game changer for the Jaguars. I'll give them that. Or, you know, if, if you really believe in Kirk Cousins and you got the weapons, if I'm a head coach, if I'm an offensive head coach, say I'm Brian Dable's not a good pick from a scheme standpoint, but Byron Leftwich, your pick an offensive head coach, I could see an offensive head coach falling in love with the idea of Cook. Cousins, Jefferson, and Thielen and saying, I can make that work and I can take that team farther than Mike Zimmer could. And at that point, then you you would then argue that the Vikings are a better opportunity because you feel like those established pieces are already there. Then you can focus on all your effort on building that defense back up and maybe making sure that offensive line is solidified. And then at that point, Vikings would be a, a better head coaching candidate. And, you know, the, the Giants, if you really believe in this quarterback class or you believe in Daniel Jones... And they've, they've got some of that core and, and still some for agent contracts to navigate their cap space is a little bit limited. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I, ha I have trouble with that one, too. I, I think for me, it, it comes down to just feeling this combination of, like, I believe in Justin Fields as a, as a quarterback worth developing that can be something better than or at least up, up to par with the likes of Cousins and Carr and potentially better than Lawrence or Jones or the rookie quarterbacks in this class or Tua Tunga-Vailoa or whatever the Texans and Broncos end up doing with their quarterbacks. Plus, I like some of the pieces the Bears have, some of the potential salary flexibility, although I still think they're a couple of years away from that. And then the lack of first-round pick is tough, but you have the second. You got a first-round pick next year. I mean, I don't know. I'm not – so that's the tough part. It's like I'm not ready to definitively say the Bears are purely far and away the better – head coach and GM opening than any other team in the NFL. But I think there's a strong enough argument for both of them where, uh, you know, I'm, I'm willing to, I'm willing to 
hear that and go there, right? It, I think it's it's closer to a coin flip with teams, like you know, depending on how you feel about some of the quarterbacks. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. And I I trust Justin Fields in that evaluation that if the right coach and GM can build around him the right way, we've seen enough from him as a rookie quarterback to not be dissuaded from what we saw from him at Ohio State. And him still being on the rookie quarterback contract makes him so much easier to build around than Kirk Cousins, than Daniel, than Derek Carr. And so uh, quarterback weighs so he- so heavily for me in this conversation, and that's why I think I, so I think the Bears belong at or near the top of any of these head coach and GM openings. Curious to know what you think. Let me know either on Twitter at Lockdown Bears or in the comments here on the YouTube video here, if that's how you're tuning in and following along. Appreciate everyone who's been listening to the podcast throughout the season and now into the offseason. Whatever platform, if you're watching on YouTube or any of the podcasting apps, we are free and available on all platforms here to bring you your daily in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today. If you're looking for a second listen, check out all our other Locked On Chicago sports podcasts. Locked On Bulls, Locked On Cubs, Locked On White Sox, Locked On Blackhawks, plus other NFL shows. We, got, we cover all the leagues, right? The Locked On Podcast Network is your team every day. So I hope Locked On Bears has been entertaining and informative for you. And most importantly, hope it makes it that much easier for you to bear down. <laughs>